3: see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome,
6: Susan.
4: Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen.
6: Hi, Susan. How are you this evening?
4: I am doing so well. We finally got a little bit of rain, and we needed it because it was so hot that everything was just panting. Mm. How's the weather been where you are? And
6: it has been raining here as well. We've had actually a good bit of rain the last several days and we needed it as well. It was really parched here, but today it felt like the Catskills here. It was wonderful.
4: Oh, marvelous.
6: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah.
4: that hot, dry weather, though, is really wonderful for most of the plants in the mint family. Have you noticed? I didn't
7: know that. Well, now that you so say that. Native to uh, the
4: Medi- most of them are native to the Mediterranean area, which is very poor soils and hot, dry. And we are most in love with the members of the mint family that have aromas, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I don't use lamium dead nettle at all. Why?
8: Because it doesn't
4: have any flavor, or savor, or scent, or anything to excite me, even though it's the namesake for the family, but wow, you know, I love the all the different mints, chocolate mint, and after dinner mint, and orange mint, and the wonderful mentha arvensis, the wild mint I have out in my wet meadow, and... Most gardeners soon discovered that lemon balm is one of the easiest plants in the world to grow. Mm -hmm. Do you have a patch of lemon balm?
6: I have a small, actually, bit of lemon balm because the oregano that was planted by the lemon balm has just dominated. It It is just going rampant in abundance.
4: And the hot dry weather causes those aromatic plants to produce more volatile oils. Mm. Right? The volatile oils are one of the great poisons of the plants. Plants make several different kinds of poisons like alkaloids and glycosides and volatile oils and resins. And They make these poisons to protect themselves against insects, to protect themselves against bacteria, to protect themselves against viruses. And clever humans, of course, have learned to use them. And in an arid environment, the plant actually has more ability to produce the oil. I think of it, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I think of the plant is almost like sweating the volatile oils. Mm. So they're very drought tolerant. We're talking, yes, oregano and thyme. They're also plants that cultivate well in pots sage and rosemary and <coughs> lavender aromatic mints that you can just have in a pot yeah they're not deep-rooted they don't mind so long as you give them a lot of sun but i will with somewhat embarrassment admit to rosemaries that i have killed because i haven't given them enough sun it's they're very um sensitive to being in the shade. Not that there aren't mints that can tolerate some shade, but the more aromatic they are, the more summer sun they want.
6: Wow, that is so good to know because admittedly, I too, I have have lost a couple rosemary. And now that you say that, yes, I did not treat them right. Mm, wow. Thank you.
4: Thanks to Rosemary mm. for hanging out with us in pots while we learned to be tender to her and to give her what she wants.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the things
4: we with the apprentices is that the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, is probably the worst prescription for happy relationships ever. Mm. Do unto others as they would have you do unto them, please. Mm-hmm. And to find mm-hmm. that out, you're going to have to ask them. You can't guess. So you and Rosemary have worked it out, and now you're going to give her what she wants.
6: Yes, I have been resisting bringing her home because I didn't want to do her wrong again. So now I actually am feeling renewed and I'm going to invite another home. So, yay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you.
4: Thank And, of course, Tulsi is one of those aromatic mints, right, that's revered in India, right, in the hot, dry places there. I saw Tulsi in Costa Rica that was over two stories tall. They become woody vines or shrubs in tropical climates. Wow! And tulsi is a kind of basil, right? And so to me is like American tulsi. Look at all of the aromatic mints there are, and we haven't even mentioned bee balm. So beautiful!
2: I grow bee
4: balm. E from a start that I got from Gretchen and I got a nice sized patch of it now after about six or seven years enough so that we mm. can harvest the flowering tops to add to our comfrey infusion and to put some of those red flowers in the salad where they are just zingy especially if we have a daylily in the salad at the same time
6: mm. love that
4: this is the time of the year to think about eating flowers Most flowers are edible, after all, and you don't get really far in the world if you poison your pollinators. Mm. So even in a poisonous plant, usually you can eat a flower. Don't ever do it. Marie and I used to laugh, Marie Summerwood and I used to laugh about the sacred sex workshop where we really got carried away and we put so many daylilies in the salad. In fact, the entire top of the salad was covered in daylilies. And then we remember taking pictures with daylilies all over them. It was just gorgeous and we ate so many daylilies and they are slightly laxative. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so enjoy yourself with the flowers, but don't make your whole salad of them. Which flowers have you eaten this week?
6: Well, daylilies, to be sure. Um, And I just will kind of nibble on them very, like, occasionally, at least once a day, though, because there's so many around our house. Um, And I still have been enjoying red clovers, just pulling little pieces off the blossom. They're so sweet. Um, So I've never really done that before. I've always just, when I've been around them, in abundance, actually it's only been at your place so we've been harvesting and drying and this time I've just been a little curious and they are just so delicious. So,
4: They really are. There's a wonderful recipe for red clover soup.
6: Oh, fun.
4: Right? And I mean, you know, it, the recipe's nothing special. You just build a soup. You want some onion in your soup, saute some onion. And then, how much red clover do you want in your soup? Put that much in. Cook it up. You want milk um. in there? Put it in there. It's fine.
6: Oh, thanks, Susan.
4: Yeah, and of course we're eating the white clover. Um, although I'm not sure I would make a soup of it because it's not sweet like the red clover is. And we're mm. putting even the uh, mellow lotus, all right, the yellow sweet clover flowers in the salad. Okay. Around us, the road signs at this time of the year look like somebody spilled the butter because they're so thick with lotus corniculatus, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And I wouldn't eat a lot of those flowers, but one or two, really beautiful spot to the salad yeah and then of course all the flowers that we cultivate for their pretty and because we can put them in our salads like pansies and nasturtiums and every flower in the aster family which includes what chamomile echinacea These, black-eyed Susans, lettuce, artichokes, burdock, calendula, every flower, all the esters are edible. Some of them are a little bitter, but that's all. They're just bitter. They're not going to harm you. One of the women... That I think about when I think about enjoying the outdoors is past apprentice Lorreen Wapitik. I'm going to ask Lorreen when she's on how long ago she apprenticed. I think it was about 20 years ago, but maybe it was a little bit longer. And after she completed her apprenticeship, she went on to take further training in outdoor skills and then started coming back to the Wise Woman Center and teaching and she would always take the apprentices out on a walk she would say that i want to take you on a very special walk and the best time to go on this walk is right at dusk when the day shift is bedding down for the night and the night shift is waking up so you're going to see the most things that you can possibly see and she would trape us off with us all into the woods, as you know, I between myself and my neighbors, we have about 300 acres of woods to enjoy, along with the bear and the turkey and everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, of course, if it's dusk, what happens next? It gets dark. And everybody would find themselves out in the woods, in the dark, with Lorene. And Lorreen would say, here are the blindfolds I brought for you and she would pass them out and she would say now you're going to put these blindfolds on and I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to drum and you are to find me always an exciting adventure and then she invited them to spend the night there so that they learned how to make a survival emergency shelter was, of course, pretty exciting, but I always thought that I got the most excitement of anyone out of it, because wherever she had taken us in the woods, I had to find my way all the way back to the barn to milk the goats in the dark without a flashlight. Mm. <laughs> oh, my! Wow. wow. And you know that land has sudden drop-offs and cliffs and rocks and it's... A very you know really developed my ability to see with my feet mm. Mm. so I am excited to talk to Lorreen tonight, and she's going to be talking to us um about a lot of things, but especially about red earth herbal gathering, which is going to be a virtual online gathering I will there. It's an online gathering started by Astrid, and Astrid, of course, also Astrid Grove being a past apprentice. So a lot of past apprentices that have a solid community of herbalists in various parts of Colorado, so looking forward with a real open heart to checking in with Lorreen. I haven't actually gotten a chance to talk to her in a while.
6: Nice. Um, Do we have any callers? We have a lot of callers, and we already have seven callers that have pressed one to say that they have a question. So I'll remind everyone if you have a question, please do press one and let us know. Um, And we have seven callers. um, Make that eight in the queue ready to go. So um, the first caller is coming from the 613. Are you ready for the first caller?
4: I am. Thank you.
6: All right. So from the 613, you are live with Susan. Hi. Can you hear me?
4: Yes, Hello? I can. Hi. Hi. Yes, Hi. I can. You're fine.
0: Thank you. Oh, okay. I'm so glad to talk to you. I have three things going on down there that I've been wanting to talk to you about for a long time, and I did talk to you a little bit last October, but um, uh, first of all, I want to ask you a quick question. I had my second vaccine. Is it okay for me to start taking my St. John's wort tincture again while it's so soon, or will it flush it out, (laughs) kind of?
4: St. John's wort tincture does not flush anything out. Okay. Anything. Well, all the studies that have shown that it's not to be used with drugs have used it powdered and dried and in capsules.
9: Okay, good.
4: I take adhericum daily. I took it on the day I was vaccinated.
0: Okay, good. I took
4: it the day before, I took it the day after.
0: Oh, good. Because I need it I, right now. I need I, it
4: feel good. Yeah, I encourage people to take hypericum tincture, even if they're taking antidepressive drugs. Okay. I would not encourage anyone to ever take hypericum in capsule, but certainly not if you're taking drugs.
0: Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay, I will resume. Thank you so much. <laughs> I miss it, yes. And you say okay. that
4: you're taking it to help your nerves. Are you also drinking oat straw infusion?
0: Yes, once a week, like. Good, good. Yeah. And you're
4: weighing out a full ounce of oat straw?
0: Yes, I've been doing it for seven years, and I've been doing the full rotation. Thank you, for wonderful. Years. Yeah. Forgive me for I've been, yeah, it's, um. I've been doing this for seven years, but it just feels like, my nerves have really, I've had some things happening this last year that just uh, I feel very fragile, and I'm calling for comfort and some courage. Um,
4: yes, I, I hear guess. you. You want comfort and courage. I was just reading this remarkable quote, and it said, the opposite of courage is not cowardice but conformity. Huh. Right. So, allow yourself to be courageous in your own way.
0: This is it. I am being courageous, courageous in my own way, and I feel like you're the only person I can talk to that will get get it <laughs> um, and, more? Uh, help me yeah um well I guess there's uh, this, there's three things kind of connected uh first of all, I guess ten years ago or so. I'm just 63 years old. My vagina, you know, started to, I couldn't have penetration during sex. And uh, during we've, we tried a few things here and there over the years, but during COVID, we had the time to really work on it. And and now after uh, really, you know, twice a week, really easily easing in, he's able to get in. I'm able, it's unbelievable. I'm so happy that it's it's, I can have a pretty, normal penet- penetration now for the first time just in the last month like but it, it did work and um i'm very happy with that but about eight about um last october or uh, august i started to i phoned you i had this itching around my anus and i thought it might be a hemorrhoid but it, it isn't a hemorrhoid it's i i was able to control the itching with um um you know st john's uh with um witch hazel and plantain oil and stuff like that but, um, there was this feeling I was sitting on something. we thought it might be a hemorrhoid, but it isn't, so i, I i'm I still have it there it's been and i've I've started now. I had the doctor look at it, and she can't see anything. she thought I might be allergic to something. it' It feels like a slight scar tissue or something. I'm wondering if you know the scar tissue from the vagina might be trying to get out through the back of my <laughs> self. Um i I'm sort of thinking it might be that, but I'm treating it like a scar tissue, so I'm massaging it massaging it massaging it. It's all I can think of doing anymore and it, it really that,
4: that, that certainly seems reasonable
0: it seems to be working
4: yeah uh, yeah yep. what i what i might do is to say how are you my a gift how are you protecting me? What are you offering me? What would you need me to do that you would feel safe to leave? That I would feel safe? No, you're you're talking to this scar tissue. Okay. And you're asking the scar tissue how it's protecting you, mm, yes. how it's a gift to you. Okay, yes. And what it would need you to do in order for it to feel safe enough to leave. Oh, wow. Okay. You see, I I don't think we're at war with our bodies. No, absolutely. I I think that that we are always um, somatizing, as they say, that we live through our bodies Mm -hmm. and that our bodies want integrity and they want longevity and if there's a hardness then it is usually protection. Mm -hmm. Because our culture teaches us that the way to protect is to stiffen. Yes. And to resist. Mm -hmm. So if you're stiff and resisting, it doesn't help you if somebody says, let go, or if somebody massages you. You need to be heard.
2: hmm Whatever
4: it is, has a, a place in your symbolic heavens.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: In your story.
2: Mhm.
4: And I say this because this, this sense I got, the image I got and please correct me if I'm wrong, was that you were massaging it and telling it to go away.
0: Right. Right. Yes, you're right. So I need to ask it how it's What it
4: means? What is yes, in order to feel safe enough to go away?
2: Uh, oh.
0: I thank you very much. I and I, I do feel like I'm on the right track because now I can sit down many times without thinking. it, yeah. it feels like I'm fine. Yeah. Like I used to have to always like go to one side and keep maneuvering myself because I feel like I'm sitting on something in certain areas. When I lean back, like, but it is improving. So I feel that treating it as a scar tissue, but asking it, you know, it's been my suit of armor here for. It's coming out.
4: It is starting to leave. I'm I'm going to share with you an exercise that my physical therapist is having me do to release scar tissue. In my pelvic floor. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: I am not a physical therapist, but I do not see how anyone could come to harm from this exercise. That, however, might be my ignorance. The exercise is simply this. You roll the bottom of your foot on a tennis ball. (laughs) I now have a tennis ball in the kitchen, and when I go to the refrigerator to get something to drink... I roll one of my feet on the tennis ball, and the next time I go to get something to eat or drink, I roll the other foot, and I try to do that several times a day. Sometimes I go a couple of days and I go, where's your tennis ball? And it's rolled under the edge, and I have to fetch it out and realize I haven't been doing it. But mm-hmm. she, she talks about how when there's scar tissue, like pick your hand and grab the front of your shirt and pull it away from your body a little bit. And now turn your hand, turn your wrist as far as it will go. Do you see how the material is like kind of swirling around and crumpling? Yes. That's how fascia heals. And running the ball, putting your body weight on the tennis ball on the bottom of your foot helps it to untwist.
2: Wow
0: the fascia throughout your whole body or, 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 or mainly for your pelvic, pelvic floor.
8: floor. Pelvic wow. floor therapy. Doing
0: amazing yes. on your foot. Thank you. I will try it. I do know that, I mean, I'm a Feldenkrais, I do Feldenkrais for 30 years, twice a week. I'm a, and I see how things are connected and, this will be interesting. Thank you very much.
4: You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yes, Feldenkrais, I think, is one of the secret weapons of living a long life.
0: Oh, I want to live a long life. <laughs>
4: oh, <laughs> Yay, Feldenkrais. Thank you
0: mm-hmm.
4: for showing us so eloquently how connected we are.
0: hmm hmm Yeah.
4: All right. Um, On to okay. the next problem because it's a long of uh, people here tonight.
0: Okay, I didn't know if you'd have time, but if you want. If, uh, so let's if you let's
4: see. Do... If it's complicated, okay. then we'll talk about it another time. But let's oh, okay. uh, uh, well, uh, hearing.
0: Well, it's just that I ended up having a, um, a fecal test, um, and there was blood in it. And so I had a colonoscopy that was hard. The prep was very hard on me, and they and I ended up having to have another one the week after because they... Polyp was too big to be removed at the time, so. And the second, col- the second prep was super hard on me. Oh my goodness, I, I really had a hard time. My stomach felt like it was going to split in half. But um, anyway, they uh, uh, um, a precancerous cancerous um, polyp was taken out. That was an inch and a half wide. So now I have to have another one in August. I just want to tell you about it, and if you had any. I know uh, he wants me to have another one just to make sure he got everything. He said it came out easy, but it was in nine sections. Uh, and they had to do a longer procedure to split the um, the layers of the intestine. It wasn't an operation. It was still a colonoscopy, but it was, uh, he said it was quite, it um, took a while. So I just wanted to let you know that I've been through that. Yes. And-
4: what I would say is, Dream on it. Okay. Again, let your body be your guide. When you dream yourself, having that colonoscopy, what is your body saying to you? How is your body reacting?
0: And I don't mind the colonoscopy. Or in
4: touch you get with your own body, and no one can be in as touch with your body as you can, the less you have to rely on their tests. Yes. Their tests are for people who aren't in touch with themselves or for people who are in touch with themselves and know that what's happening needs a wider range of modern medicine, and so that always has to start with their tests. Yeah, that I doesn't mean so. it has to continue with their tests, though. Okay. Right. Just because you right. said yes twice does not mean you have to say yes the third time.
0: I thought you might say that.
4: But you might want to. You will know.
0: Okay. 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 Thank you very much.
4: Green blessings. Good night.
0: Green
6: blessings.
4: Good night.
6: All right, and there are 10 callers that have raised their hand by pressing one to let you know you have a question. And the next caller is calling from the 845 area code, from the 845. You are live with Susan. Thank
9: you. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Well, um, I went to my heart doctor and my condition is stable. Uh, well, that's I the news. To- not taking any medication except Motherwort and Hawthorn, and I thought I felt tremendously compelled to stop taking even those, and that's why I want to ask you, uh, since I did take them for two years, for how long shall I continue? For a lifetime. I take Motherwort
4: and Hawthorn every day. Well.
9: We are not identical. My,
4: my sweetheart, who is the oldest living male member of his family at 75, virtually every man in his family drops dead of a heart attack in his 50s, has taken Motherwort and Hawthorne daily for over 20 years. So and, I continue to, and will continue to for the rest of his life. And his cardiologist is thrilled um, because he can see on the angiograms that the motherwort is um, encouraging uh, the growth not just of new capillaries to the heart but actually much bigger blood vessels as well so that his heart continues to function superbly well.
2: Do
9: I have to continue taking it twice a day, uh, both?
4: You don't have to do anything.
9: I understand. I already didn't do it for three weeks, and then I started taking it once a day. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. That sounds reasonable. Well, Hawthorne reason is an adaptogen. So what it does is it helps to normalize. Hawthorne is said to be one of the very best agents to prevent the heart from aging, to Maintain and strengthen the heart's muscular ability to pump without the muscle getting overworked and too big, and to maintain and repair the heart's electrical activity as well.
9: So, you recommend that I continue taking it twice a day as you told me before?
4: I think the best thing, but it so That doesn't mean that you have to do it. If somehow you feel badly about yourself when you do that,
9: I feel badly about taking anything except food.
4: <laughs> it's food. It's food. Hawthorn berry tincture is food. Okay, then I. I it is food. It. All right. It's you know, it's related to apples. It's like taking a spoonful of applesauce. Oh, oh, how lovely! Are you making your own hawthorn tincture? No, I buy it. I don't. Ah, there, there's your problem right there.
9: Well, it's it's a very uh, reliable. So what I
4: want you to do is to procure at least four ounces of hawthorn berries and put those in a quart jar and get a liter of one hundred proof vodka and fill that quart jar right to the top with that liter uh
9: what's wrong about taking the herb farm that uh you never thought
2: kitchen
4: bank
9: in instead of food? uh I don't want to start cooking my tinctures. I am already doing infusions uh i I feel like uh, I'm doctoring myself all day long and I don't like it,
4: and that's what I'm saying. It will take you this long to do this. It will take you the time it takes to procure the hawthorn berry. I don't know how long that will take. Maybe you already shop at places where you can get it. Maybe you already order online at places where you can get it. Maybe you'll get that a pound of hawthorn berries the next time you order herb from Frontier. I don't know. I don't think it's going to take a lot of time. You're going to put that in a quart jar and fill the jar at the top with vodka. That takes about two minutes. You're going to put a lid on it and a label on it. Let's call that another three minutes. Five minutes, it's ready for you to use six weeks later. That's the amount of investment in time you have. Five minutes. Oh, Can you tell me what's wrong with the herb farm? did not say there's anything wrong with it. I said that you are complaining that it is a medicine and not a food and that's because you're not making it when you make it then you'll know it's a food
9: no i i get confused you make
4: food you buy medicine
9: i don't i don't want to start cooking uh more than i'm
4: already what doing what did i say about cooking i didn't say anything about cooking did i say anything about cooking
9: yeah, it's mixing. It doesn't matter. Make, I make a salad. I don't... It's not mixing.
4: It, it's raw, it's not I, mixing. I eat It's not salad. mixing. You put hawthorn berries in a jar, then you put vodka in a jar. That's it. No heat, no cooking, no mixing, no stirring, no chanting, no dancing.
9: It doesn't feel like food, and I am allergic because to... Because you
4: haven't done it. I hear you. You're going to tell me that after working with herbs and people for 50 years, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine.
9: No, you, you, you never told me that. Maybe
4: I, was, I am thought. on to something and you could stop resisting it. I will also tell you that it will cost you approximately $30.00 say, $50 at the outmost to make 30 one-ounce bottles of Hawthorne Berry Tincture. And I would guess you're paying at least $10 a bottle, if not more.
9: Uh, Much more, but you never told me to do it otherwise, and I don't feel like doing otherwise. For two years that I'm taking, as,
4: w- as you will, as you wish, my dear, whatever.
9: I have whatever not, works.
4: I'll ever works the next problem. for you, but I have always told people, and I do forgive me if I didn't specifically tell you that the tincture that you make yourself is always going to be better for you and more healing than the tincture you buy, because it becomes. A friend Instead of a commodity And magic happens Okay And congratulations I am so excited That your doctor says That your heart is stable
9: Yeah,
0: Without drugs
4: That's fabulous Such good news
9: The bad news is my balance And I'm dizzy And that's what I wanted to ask you about
4: if I was a wicked person, I would say Hawthorne. <laughs> I had a I had a cat who got up once and fell down. I took her to the vet, and the vet said that she was dizzy, and it was because she had an inner ear. Infection actually turns out to be true for humans, too. Sudden onset of dizziness in humans usually has something to do with what's going on in the inner ear. Can I be there can be a subtle infection that actually doesn't cause pain. And, of course, the classic herbal remedy for those with earache is a little mullein oil in the ear. And failing that, a little minced garlic heated up in a little oil, the oil cooled and strained, and a little of that garlic oil put in the ear.
9: Oh, wait a minute. I have that for four years now. It's not something that just appeared. Uh, I saw that's connected with my heart condition, but... Shingles, maybe neuropathy. I, you know, I have no idea what. But it's
4: does your doctor think the dizziness is connected to your heart condition?
9: Um, I didn't ask her.
2: So, so, maybe, she, so yeah. maybe it isn't. Maybe it what isn't weakness Why? That
9: because if I tell her that I'm dizzy, she said you're not taking my medication, and the door is closed. So, you
4: know... want right, did I just say? Maybe the remedy is Hawthorne.
9: Uh-huh, yeah, okay. So, should, shall I take more? How much are you taking now? Shall I take more than twice a day?
4: Are you taking a drop of full each time?
9: Yeah, a drop full. Um, yeah.
4: Why don't you try for a week taking twice as much and see if it makes a difference to your dizziness? Oh, okay. and if it uh, and if it doesn't, then then go back to a dropperful.
9: Okay, yes. do that. So, I'll take twice a day, double two dropfuls.
4: Yes. At the t- at times when Michael has had the most difficulty with breathing because of his heart condition, he takes three to four dropfuls of Hawthorn tincture, sometimes as often as three times a day.
9: Wow. Wow.
4: Food. It's food.
9: Oh, okay. Food. Yeah, my other question
4: and is... And you can't take too much. Because we have so many people in the queue tonight, I'm just going to do one question per person tonight.
10: Oh, okay. I,
4: I love you. Thank you, you
10: very
9: much. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Oh, my Green blessings.
4: Green blessings.
6: All right, and there are 12 people with their hands raised in the queue. The next caller is coming from the 917 area code, from the 917. You're live, Susan.
1: Hi, Susan. Can you hear me? (laughs) Hi. Um. So I have been making all of my own tinctures for the past few months. And I've been listening to your show, and I am wondering about straining them. Is there, what are your suggestions on straining? Because I've heard you say, you know, tinctures can last for two or three or, you know, an infinite amount of years if done well. And um, I'm wondering if it's always six weeks for most of them or all of them, and what happens if you don't strain it after six weeks?
4: Yes. The osmosis that is carrying constituents from inside the plant cells into the vodka has pretty much stopped by six weeks with fresh plant material. material. With dried plant material, osmosis continues on for months, and I actually find that even up to a year I am getting more constituents in my tincture. That's why when I have to use dried plant material, which I restrict to roots or berries, I do my best to have enough ahead of time so that I only have to use year-old tincture.
2: Mm.
1: So you let the dried tinctures like Hawthorne and Echinacea and astragalus you let those go for a year and then you strain them?
4: I never strain them.
1: Oh, you never strain them. So do you keep adding vodka to them as you're using them? No. No. You just use them and
4: do that you would but done. If, if you did that, then your tincture you would be more and more and more dilute. Yeah. When I say so, I never strain them, what I mean is I of course strain some off to put into a dosage bottle.
2: Uh, but
4: I store my tinctures in the dark in a cool place, so there's not oxidation. Even okay when, the okay level, lo- the... When, when the level liquid drops below the level of the plant material. If there is, then I take out some plant material.
1: Got it. Okay. But that's still and... not straining, is it? No. But for fresh things like cleavers and other fresh things you would the train it out six is weeks is generally old?
4: ready within six weeks and I don't strain it you don't
1: strain it either
4: I don't have enough
1: room okay so I just don't you have enough room to... in my house to do that
4: and so an often told story when I moved into the house that I'm living in in 1978. Actually, I did this in 1979. I made a dosage bottle, a one-ounce dosage bottle of every tincture that I had made up until that time. It was a little over a hundred tinctures. And I arranged them all alphabetically, and I did hand calligraphy for the labels. It was gorgeous, and I felt so wonderful about it. And you can imagine my horror and chagrin as the years passed. And I went to pick up the less used bottles to find them empty because the tincture had evaporated out through the rubber dropper.
1: Mm. Wow. So you keep, do you keep all yours in mason jars? Yeah. With just the normal mason if I, jar If, if I, you- I want,
4: there's some tinctures that I
1: use a lot of.
4: It can be inconvenient to pour the tincture out with the mast in the jar. It often requires both hands. So I also have laboratory glassware that has glass stoppers. Mm. And if I'm going to strain or decant a tincture, then I put it into a glass jar with a glass stopper, so there can be no evaporation, and keep it cool and
1: dark. That's a great idea. Do you just get those from a laboratory supplier, online, or something? Um, scientific surplus. Okay, great. That's a great idea. So, so just so I understand, so there's, so if you, for example, if I have a yarrow tincture, for example, that's been Longer than eight weeks unstrained. There's no harm in that. It's just done. You've gotten everything you're going to get from it, but there's no harm in keeping the plant material in there.
4: None. Osmosis doesn't go backwards.
1: Got it. Okay. Thank you so much.
4: You are welcome, Green Blessings. Good night. You too.
6: All right. And our next caller is calling from the 845 area code from the 845 you are live with Susan hello Susan
4: hi
11: hi Susan wow tonight's quite the show you just fill in my heart with joy and wonder and these shared experiences with others it just touches my heart (laughs) thank you so I was taking a walk today with my grandson on a new piece of property and we found a blackcurrant bush.
4: A what kind of bush? currant. Oh, thought
0: out.
11: How exciting. I think it's pretty old, at least, oh, I'm going to say as old as me. And I'm pretty old to have a grandson, so um, I, to do that, and what, what a joy to be able to do that, to know what it is I'm looking at, and it was only the second time I saw it, the other time I just kind of rushed by it really quick to get from point A to point B, but this time... The berries really struck me the way they they hung down in this in this group, and they were so oblong and some of them were still red, but they were so pretty the way they just hung there in this droop, and I've had currant juice many times, but I was reading up about the leaves, and I thought oh, my goodness, this is my new best friend. It's got to be. And I'm calling you to ask if you have ever done anything with the leaves besides tea, because that's all I can find. But I'm thinking maybe a tincture. Um, I don't know the particular phenols and and their properties, so well, it's
4: hard if to it's say. if it's the kind of current... That I'm thinking of
11: Uh-huh kind
4: of I, then, I believe that it's wolf? either in the apple family Or closely related Really? Do you know yeah, the botanical? well, some
11: of, them, some of them look apple leaf But this one looks more like mother
4: wart leaf
11: It's pale green But it's got the Plants you know, are
4: not in leaf. family Because of their leaves Excuse me? Oh no, plants of
11: course not. But the variety And not the so, so what
4: what a plant's leaf looks like really has no bearing on what it's related to.
11: All right. Well it's more like kind of like a great flou- anyway, flower.
4: What does the flower look like?
11: Well, plants I didn't get to see the flower. Flowering. That's that's a sad thing. I didn't get to see the flower.
4: It, it is see and the flower I bet
11: right. it was beautiful. Do you know huh? what the
4: botanical name of of the current is?
11: No, I don't. I, I should. I'm embarrassed I didn't know. No, no, that it's
4: hard. okay. The reason <laughs> I'm asking is because current is a word that can be used to to describe several different fruits. It's kind of oh. a general word. I didn't know that. So I don't I can't just by being told that it's current tell you exactly what you could do with the leaves. Mm. But if you've made tea with it and it tastes okay, then that's probably okay. If it's in the rose family, it's certainly okay. Most things in the rose family, most leaves in the rose family, have astringent qualities, which means they tighten well, tissue.
11: Yeah, it said it would be good for diarrhea and joint pain and stuff like that, which is usually inflammatory things. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right, yeah. right. Everything about it just spoke. Yes, 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 yes. It how was like a wonderful. football field of, of goal lines. And I was like, get out of here. How can one plant do all of those things? <laughs> and why, why was it banned and made illegal? I mean, how, what, what an embarrassment. The people's medicine speaks again.
4: Are you talking about <laughs> current being banned? Yes. Is that currants? Yes. yes. Currants were banned because they carry a rust that destroys apple orchards.
11: Well, I read it was about the white.
4: Pine New York the an area business. where we live, neighbor, is yes. rich in apple orchards. And, and they did not want to sacrifice the yes. apple orchard to this disease, and so they made it illegal to grow currants. You can grow them now, isn't,
11: though. Isn't that something? <laughs> a million times, and I, I always thought, oh, no, it was legal again. And then when I just looked tonight, it said it was still illegal, and I thought, oh, hogwash. You know, they'll tell you marijuana is still illegal too. Yeah. Shit. Right? <laughs> hey, you know what I did? I went and got my marijuana medical card. And people said, "Good on you... They said, why did you do that? It's legal now. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed.
1: <laughs> yeah, good
11: luck getting a delivery on that. It's legal now stuff, right?
4: Or, right, but at what least if I'm in the that hospital? does deliver.
11: Right, and what if I'm in the hospital? And where am I getting my product from? And on and on and on we go. So, I'm there is no hospital, at this
4: point that, no hospital at this point that's going to let you have cannabis, even if you have a card, unfortunately.
11: Well, not in New York, cause it's all new, but in Massachusetts they do. In the hospital? Yes.
4: That's
11: we tried fabulous, to get a friend, wow. We tried to get a friend of ours that was dying of cancer moved up there because we got busted bringing them in stuff, oiled to the hospital, and uh, they didn't like that. So they said, well, they wouldn't do anything as long as we didn't do it anymore. And, you know, he died a sad, miserable death, like, just like that. And he was going to die anyway, sure, but, you know, why, why, why should he be cut off from his only connection that he really had with his former life? It just didn't make any sense, and so they just kept shooting him full of whatever they give them, you know, the strong pain medicine.
1: Morphine, usually.
11: Morphine. I, I was thinking methadone, and I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> so anyway, what an exciting show. What an exciting day. How exciting to be around my grandson and be the first one to pick a black currant and say, look at this, grandson.
4: Here Yay. you go. <laughs>
11: I was that's wonderful. Deli- Susan, the leaves reminded me of motherwort. That's why I had to tell you about it. They were so pretty, they were like wrinkly they they were like so much like motherwort. I wanted to you know maybe not as pointed and and what not what not, but uh this particular variety, I think is uh an older variety, and thank you for um reminding me why it was banned, and and I also read it was an anti-cyanide, which is really blowing my mind. So there we have it, because apple trees make cyanide, don't they? In the seeds, for sure. Yeah, and this plant is an anti-cyanide.
4: Well, as I said, there's a relationship between currant and apple. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but... Possibly, I think they're 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 both, Possibly they're both. Possibly they're both rosacea. If not, they're they're close cousins.
11: Close cousins that shouldn't be together after dark, or whatever they say in this house.
4: <laughs> That's what I, you got it.
11: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to enjoy listening to the rest of the show. Thank you to all your callers. I love their questions. I love your answers.
4: Green blessings. Good night.
6: Good night. All right, and next caller is calling from the 845 area code. So the next caller, you are live from the 845.
10: Hi, good evening, Susan. Hi. I'm so pleased to find out that you're still having these calls as I haven't attended in quite a while. So thank you for still doing this. Um,
4: You're welcome.
10: So I come to you heavy-hearted. and just really desperate for some guidance so at the start of the pandemic um i was home with my kids working a full-time job and taking care of them in school and i developed a skin condition that i couldn't really pinpoint um until i went to a dermatologist and i was told i have all these various skin sensitivities to basically fragrance right so anything natural and unnatural Um, So products I was using for years I could no longer use, including shampoos and conditioners and whatnot. And then I was told recently that I have rosacea. Um, I've always had great skin, never had any any issues with skin, right? And so my life has been turned upside down where I literally can't – I don't even want to go outside. Um, The heat irritates my skin, Um, just anything. I wake up in the morning and my skin is so like nice and smooth. And then as the day progresses, it gets so bad. And I, you know, I don't even want to look in the mirror anymore. The bumps are just, I can't even explain it to you. And it's so life changing for me because I'm, you know, trying, I'm so desperate, you know, buying all these products and doing all this research. And I've been on doxycycline for, so I, I was on doxycycline for a few weeks. I had to get off because I broke out in a rash. It was unrelated. And now I've been back on for probably four days now. I've been prescribed an um, Iver, ivermectin, which is like a cilantro for my face that I'm to use twice a day. Um, but I just don't see any any progress.
4: So difficult mm-hmm. when our skin is not intact. Mm-hmm. Our skin is the only thing between what's inside us and what's out.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And although it's seven layers thick, it feels like very mm-hmm. fragile barrier between us and everything else in the world yeah and it's often said that what keeps most people from realization or enlightenment is that realization causes you to be open to all of the life mm. at once and that it's too overwhelming for people mm-hmm in fact, serotonin is a brain chemical which damps down experience. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, there are drugs, of course, that um, they are called SSRIs, right? And they are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Once serotonin is made in the brain, then it's like... Taken up again, it's reuptake, and these selectively stop. That's so that there's more serotonin in your brain, and that dulls things for people who are taking those drugs. But that's what you want right now. You want to turn the value knob toward less excitement and more dull your skin is overexcited your skin has decided that being alive is threatening
2: hmm
4: wow and your appropriate response is to withdraw from life hmm Interestingly enough, serotonin is the easiest of all brain chemicals to adjust at will. And literally, all you have to do is close your eyes and say to your brain, more serotonin. And your brain will, in fact, produce more serotonin And your senses will be a little blunted. Including what's going on in your skin. And if that's unpleasant then then you can say, reuptake it. Clear the serotonin. And if you're in a situation where you want to be more sensitive, then you can ask your brain to withhold production for a little while. Okay. We're not talking we're not talking like a difference between black and white t v and color t v
2: mm-hmm.
4: but we are talking about perhaps the difference between t v and high definition t v Okay. And once you start to do it, you have mm-hmm. this, like, smile that you get because it's like, hey, look what I can do. I don't have to be so sensitive to everything. Yeah. Okay. I also want to point out to you that this has allowed you to focus intensely on yourself.
10: So true.
4: Keep on doing that. Okay. Don't link getting your skin to be happier and to make you happier with now you're not going to take this intense care of yourself anymore. Yeah, it's just hard
10: when you don't see the results and, you know, it's, you're ashamed to step outside. I mean, I'm thankful that I have like, to wear
4: a mask. I completely understand. The herb that people use instead of antibiotics to help deal with rosacea is burdock root. Okay. And so if you come to the end of those antibiotics, and I joke generally they are prescribed for life, mm-hmm. um, or, or if you wish to not take it, or even if you wish to take the burdock at the same time, and that can be tincture of burdock root or daily use of burdock root vinegar in your salad or other food, or you can make a burdock root infusion and drink between a quarter of a cup and half a cup. It will last for a week in the refrigerator, so a quart is not too much to make at once. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. And again, I want you to hear yourself. You don't want to go outside. Let that be okay. And don't make it be a punishment. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying?
2: Yes.
9: Okay.
4: Green blessings. Thank you. Good night.
6: Okay. And at this time, we have six callers in the queue with their hands raised. Our next caller is coming from the three four seven area code. From the three four seven, you are live with Susan.
0: Hi, Susan. Hi.
10: Hi. Um, I have a question about Linden harvesting. Um, I had been harvesting quite a bit. However, um, I'm I'm sorry. I missed the
4: name of the herb. What do you? What have you been harvesting? Linden. I missed linden it again. Flower. I'm not sure what's happening. There's like some background noise, and when you say it, the background goes crinkle, crinkle. It's linden it? flower. Linden, okay, linden, great.
10: Yeah, so um, I have been harvesting quite a bit. Um, however, um, I still wish I'm still wishing to harvest more. But I see a lot of the trees and the
0: flowers have seeded. Um, it's like for
5: kind of-
4: I think her call might have been dropped. No, don't harvest them if there's a lot of seeds. If it's 90% flowers and one seed, go ahead. Go ahead. Have I been dropped?
2: Hello?
6: Everyone is still connected. From the 347, can you hear Susan? Hi, yeah, I can.
4: Okay, so then you heard my answer to your question that I didn't hear but surmised.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that part, I'm so sorry. I'm just wondering if it's still
10: okay to harvest Linden flowers once. If there's no more than one
4: seed in a bunch. Obviously, if it's all seeds, it's not flowers anymore. Right. If it's flowers and there's one seed there, okay but no not if it's seeds and it's not flowers
10: okay and it's it's, so it's not um,
0: gonna be effective medicine anymore once it's
1: it's come to seed
4: that's a different question I don't know if anyone can answer that I know that Linden seeds were used as a chocolate substitute I do know that constituents in seeds are going to be vastly different than constituents in flowers. Mm. because okay. the seed has oils and hormones and a lot of other stuff that you probably aren't going to find in the flower.
2: Oh,
0: okay, so I shouldn't be using any of the uh seeds.
4: If there's no more than one seed in a cluster, it'll probably be okay. Got
6: it. Okay. Thank you so much.
4: Green blessings. Good night. Good night.
6: All right. Our next caller is calling the 661 episode. From the 661, you are live with
4: Susan.
5: Hi. How are you? Can you hear me all right?
4: Yes, we can. What's up?
5: Awesome hi, Susan um, I called my name is Danny, and I called uh, I think about two or three months ago regarding traveling uh, traveling to El Salvador and trying to prepare my stomach for potential like pathogens or anything foodborne or um, just traveling uh, with stomach upset and you had mentioned wormwood and I just wanted to kind of give an update that I went on a a Nature walked the other day to my local hiking area, and I found Wormwood all over. And it wasn't necessarily anything that I was really looking for, but it was funny. I, I just kind of got a sense. And then all of a sudden, I, I looked it up, and I saw that it was exactly what I was looking for. And then I was tasting it and working with it, and it was just a really cool full circle moment and uh, kind of like a delayed gratification moment. So I wanted to where you come live? on and share that. I live in Southern California.
4: An area where wormwood might grow because it needs, as we started the show off talking about plants with volatile oils, it needs a hot, dry area. And Southern California, that's a hot, dry area. When you work with the wormwood and then you accidentally lick your finger, do you wish you hadn't?
5: Oh no, I actually like it. It's like spicy.
4: Then it's not wormwood.
5: Oh my gosh. Uh oh. Okay.
4: Um, wormwood is the most bitter plant in the world. One drop of wormwood tincture in a swimming pool will taste bitter.
5: Oh really? Well, I mean, it had a very well—not spicy, but I guess the word is pungent. Um, just really kind of pungent flavor, bitter. and it. Bitter. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's bitter, bitter, yes. Bitter,
4: um, bitter. Yeah, that other stuff, too, but bitter. Like mm-hmm. scrunch up your mouth and drool bitter.
5: Oh, That's why they made well, absence I I must, of it. Oh, my gosh. I must have a really good tolerance for bitter then. I was like, oh, this, this is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was
4: very There are dozens um, of Artemisius.
5: Yeah, I also found... Um, uh oh my gosh my my brain is just oh mugwort mugwort was right next to the wormwood they were they were growing together underneath a a brick or a walkway bridge and they were growing right next to each other and then wormwood was all along the pathway and then sprinkled in with with mugwort it was it was really cool i've been working with mugwort with dreams for the past few weeks and it's just been really cool to see these friends
4: all right Right.
5: Yes. yes. Um I did have one Yes. Um I did have one question. Um so I I've been going through a really like deep emotional uh trauma healing um pretty much pretty much for the past 3 years and I'm I'm kind of hitting this full circle moment uh where the 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 heart of the most I guess the the epitome of all of the trauma was having to live with a very um, abusive, alcoholic, and drug-addicted stepmother. And basically having been gaslit for pretty much th- from eight years old to 18, um, I had been living a life where I knew in my heart that something wasn't right and that the behaviors that i was seeing and the situations that i was put in weren't correct and then you know having been told in my family that you know it was it was somewhat normal anyway i'm just going through a lot and i'm i'm having a really difficult time being able to go further in my studies and basically in my life but with basically it's like trying to cultivate some type of discernment and i think all of those years of having been gaslit i I don't really know, I don't really trust my inner uh, conversation anymore. I, I had spent so many years being told that my inner conversation wasn't right. And then when I was given the freedom to express myself when I went off to college, I, I found myself completely shut off. And I've been growing from that point about five years now, six years now. And um, that, that kind I'm of just,
4: spite will not get back. At your parents
5: No, yeah, I'm not looking for it's that It only man. hurts
4: you to be spiteful That way, cut it out
5: Yeah, and I'm like I don't know how to um yes, this you show, do like, yes, you, you never
4: you abandoned know. yourself Did you?
5: No And I tried yeah, and You I never think distrusted yourself down that. Yeah, right
4: you are acting spitefully to try to get back at your parents. Cut it out. Mm. You're like the injured child whose feelings have been hurt, and you're going to have a tantrum and make them pay for it.
5: Yes, here's the thing. No, I, I don't, I've been... You're going to make them pay them.
4: for gaslighting you. So what?
5: Oh, no, I'm not making them pay. You still
4: believe yourself. You trusted yourself and you still trust yourself. Start from there and drop the rest of this crapola. Oh, okay. Hmm. Don't justify what you're doing. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying it doesn't matter. Hmm. Unless you make it the most important thing, which is what you're doing.
5: Yeah, I'm trying not to do that. It, and that's the thing, I feel you like... No, you're not. You're trying
4: th- to make it the most important thing. It's all what you're talking about right now. And I'm telling you that all you have to do is stop.
8: That's really all you have to do
4: because you were not abandoned by yourself. You were not gasped by yourself. You mm-hmm. and yourself are just fine and always have been. And these other people... Well, gee, guess what? They're screwy. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
5: Are you going to make it your
4: life's work to get back at
5: them? No, my life work is trying to... Then stop um, it.
4: Stop mm -hmm. it now. What did is water under the bridge. Goodbye. It's not you now. Yeah. And at your yeah. core it never really affected you. Of course we're affected by everything that happens to us, but at your core, you are unaffected by that. And you know that. That's why you're talking to me tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what? The best revenge is to be happy.
5: Right. So I'm working with my brothers. They're all under the age of 10, and they're four. And they're in a similar situation. And me as the older sister, um, I see that I don't necessarily want them to go through what I did. And I want to be type of, uh, an ally for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And I guess the best way to be that ally is to be happy then. Yes, exactly.
4: Okay. Help them create a sturdy, independent sense of self-worth that is built on showing up for your life and being responsible, not on what other people are telling you. Yeah. Right?
2: Right.
4: You've done that. I think You've done that hard work of maintaining your self-integrity and your self-worth, congratulations to you. It's not easy, and you did it. Thank you. You're
6: welcome. Green blessings. Green blessings. All right, and we have four callers in the queue. The next caller is calling from the 615 area code from the 615. You are live with Susan.
7: Hi, Susan. My name is Naomi. It is so such an honor to speak with you. Thank you, Naomi. I'm going to try to make my question as quick as possible. So everyone else has time for your wisdom tonight. Um, I am getting married on July 10th and um, I have had a, a bout of luck where my period has landed just about every single time I have something important in the last year. I am either about to start my period or on my period. And um, just so happens that I am going to be about three or four days before my period, which is right at the height of my PMS. Um, I, my question for you is how do I, I – I just want to put um, – a. Uh, staple in this I really don't mind being on my period it is the PMS the three to four or five days prior that I'm hot I've gained you know three pounds of water etc is there an herb or a method that I could use that will induce my period a week early to kind of reset my cycle
4: no Okay. the, the only part of the menstrual cycle that can be changed is the part between the onset of menstruation and ovulation. There's 13 days between ovulation and menstruation, and that can't be changed. Okay. So we're too close up to the date to change when you've ovulated.
7: Interesting. Okay.
4: So if you'd called okay. three months ago, the answer would be yes, this is mm-hmm. how you change when you <laughs> ovulate. And okay. we would have had enough time to get that switched around. Mm-hmm. But we're within a short time period right now. Mm -hmm. So um, many women find that aligning with motherwort during the days of PMS can be very useful. Okay. Motherwort improves... Tolerance for other people's idiocy. <laughs> okay.
7: Does it help with um, temperature rays? I tend to get really hot at night or um, yes. during the daytime. It yes. Does. Okay. It, yes, what about it's water a, retention?
4: It's a reliable hot flash remedy. It helps to reduce water retention.
7: Wow, wonderful. Okay. I've it's been right. drinking.
4: Do Tincture of the fresh flowering plant. Okay. Two places I know that definitely sell tincture of the fresh plant are Catskill Mountain Herbals. Okay,
7: I'm writing that down now.
4: Makes their tinctures in vodka and Redmond Herbs, which makes tinctures in high-proof alcohol.
7: Thank you so much.
4: You're Redmond welcome. Chances.
7: Give us a um, call I, I back after say,
4: the wedding and let me know how it went. Oh,
7: thank you. Okay, I am, I've am. i been drinking um, red clover flower. Is that helpful to this situation? It actually might make it worse. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Red
4: clover, like um, things that are – it has – some seeds in it and like seeds and like all roots contains plant hormones and those plant hormones can be turned into hormones in your body and that just could make it a little more difficult for you to have more hormones floating around
7: yes yes thank you so much Susan thank you that is extremely helpful I really enjoy your show thank you green thank you
6: all right our next caller is calling from the 619 area code
5: from the 619, you are live with Susan. Hey, good evening, Susan. My name is Jonathan, and I don't know if you guys got the email I sent you earlier, but I had sent you.
4: Hi, Jonathan. Also. I'm not a guy. What's that? I am not a guy.
2: Well, you ladies, then. <laughs> My bad.
5: Thank you, Listen. Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. And um, same kind of Thing as one of the ladies was talking about earlier with skin conditions, but I don't know if you did. You get the email about the skin conditions with the pictures.
4: And Jonathan, Google I said, don't do that.
5: Google said, I guess, uh, email or call. I email
2: your.
4: Call. I, do, I don't do that, Jonathan. I don't look at emails or photographs. <laughs>
2: Okay. Well, Google. I, I guess do say, this.
4: Email, I do this call-in uh, show. This? You're certainly welcome to call and to talk to me about what's going on. But I'm not
1: going um, to do anything more than that. That's, that's just what Google said. That's completely fine. I've enjoyed your show so far tonight. So my question for you is: Yes, same thing. But skin issues that I've been dealing with off and on for 12 years. Mm-hmm. In the last year, have
0: just
2: gotten drastically worse to where. Um, yeah, now it's, now it's starting to... Can
4: you tell me a little bit about your normal diet?
1: Yeah, so my normal diet is... Um, I'm, I drink a lot of superfoods, so
4: vegetables. Uh-huh. That's fruit, a problem all- right there. Yeah. It's a big problem right there. It means you're incredibly malnourished. Okay, tell me more. Um, human beings are not designed to drink their food. And that probably means that you're either juicing or getting them powdered. And neither one is going to supply any nutrition of any kind. Okay. And it's almost oh. impossible to have healthy skin when you're so malnourished.
2: Now, when you uh, say... Do you,
4: work with, do you work with nourishing herbal infusions? Do you know what those are?
2: Yes, I do. Tinctures and creams and whatnot. No,
4: I ask about nourishing herbal infusions. If you are drinking nourishing herbal infusions, they have nothing to do with creams or tinctures.
1: Okay, would that be tea?
4: No, it's not tea. You can go to my YouTube channel, and you can see me making nourishing herbal infusions there at my YouTube channel. Also, in every one of my books, it talks about making nourishing herbal infusions. But very, very briefly, you weigh out, and you must use a scale, one ounce of a nourishing herb, such as stinging nettle. You put that into a quart jar, and then fill that jar to the top with boiling water. Put a lid on it and let it steep for at least four hours overnight is okay. Strain the liquid out, squeezing the plant material, and refrigerate the liquid. You can put the plant material in the compost or whatever you do with that kind of thing. And I generally drink a quart of nourishing herbal infusion on a daily basis in addition to eating a broad diet, mostly plant-based plant-based, but definitely including animal products, including butter, yogurt, cheese, fish at least twice twice a week, and meat generally once every other week.
8: Okay, great. Well, I will start there. I appreciate you, Susan.
4: You're welcome. Green blessings. Bye-bye.
6: All right. We do have one more call. Looks
4: like it's about time to introduce. Introduce Lorene if she's on the line.
6: Yes, and she is also on the line. Mm
4: -hmm. All right, let's go right to Lorene because I want to spend as much time as possible talking to uh, Lorene Wapitik who founded Celebrating Her Right to help women mentor and celebrate girls as they grow into womanhood. Lorene's an herbalist a wilderness guide and an accomplished educator who has been designing and leading nature-based programs for girls for more than 25 years. She also trains women, especially moms, how to create meaningful and magical coming-of-age ceremonies that help girls develop confidence, courage, and grit. Zlaverine loves to play, tell stories, and sing songs, and she's the mom of two teenage stepdaughters. Lorreen, I give you a big hug, 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 hug. Yay,
8: Susan, I give you a big hug back. It's so wonderful to hear your voice and to be here uh, with you
4: today. Thank you for the your beautiful gift and the gift package from all of the women there in the Boulder area. That was so wonderful. I'm still continuing to feel all of your love. For those of you who... Oh, who don't remember the gossip I was scheduled to go out to the Boulder area in 2020 and um, get together with the, all the past apprentices and dear women there and of course as everybody meh, we didn't and, uh, and indeed I did something totally different going into surgery and um, Lorreen and everybody else made a beautiful care package for me thank you, thank you, thank you thank you so why don't you start at the top and tell us how you got from where you were to where you are.
8: <laughs> how I got from being one of your apprentices to, like, 27 years later? And there you and then what did
4: you do with it? I, was, I don't know if you were <laughs> here at the beginning of the show, but I was telling them about how you used to take us out in the woods at dusk. And then suddenly it would, oh, gee, we didn't think of that, get dark, and you would pass out the blindfolds. And they'd sneak away with your drum, and we would have to find you. And then you would stay with the apprentices, and they would make an overnight shelter. And I said, "But I always got to do the most exciting thing, which was somehow get myself all the way back to the barn in the dark, so I could milk the goats."
8: <laughs> oh gosh, I don't think you'll ever forget that, Susan. I don't think Astrid or any of those other women will either. <laughs> That's that's actually how Astrid and I met, and of course, you know, we're going to talk today about the Red Earth Herbal Gathering, which is organized by Astrid Go- Grove here in the Mountain West. Um, but yeah, a little bit about me. Gosh, I don't know. I just love the plants and started spending a lot of time with them. I remember. I must have been in my really early 20s or maybe even like 19, and I first learned you could use plants for medicine, and that was just a whole world that opened up to me, and I was super excited about it. And I think then I just became a sponge to absorb everything I could by being out with the plants, going on herb walks here in Boulder, Colorado, where I was living, at the time with uh, Brigitte Mars and Feather Jones, who are now some of my herbal elders, and then coming out and apprenticing with you, Susan, and then going to New Mexico and studying with Taroni Lodog and Michael Moore and just being this big sponge to learn everything I could, and then, of course, spending a lot of time just wandering around in the woods with the plants and sitting with them and listening to them. And I think that was just, for me, really help me understand the importance of our direct experience with plants and our direct experience with nature. And I did a lot of that as a kid. I just spent a lot of time alone in the woods or in nature, you know, woods. I don't know. I lived in Southern California and in Colorado. And so it's not woods like the Eastern forest there. And what I really wanted was to connect people with nature. I kind of parallel to my herbal career, I started leading wilderness trips for teenagers, kind of outward bound style things where we did backpacking and rafting and rock climbing. And what I noticed is as fun as that was, and we were outdoors, is we weren't really connecting with nature. We were being there and we were using it as a backdrop, but it was so different than my experience sitting with the plants and eating the plants and getting to know them and making medicine with them. And I really wanted to find another way to connect with them. I, like I, want to inter- I just want to
4: interrupt you for a moment yeah. because I'm laughing because at the very beginning of the show I had this long discussion with a woman who was complaining that Hawthorne was medicine and I was saying it was food and mm-hmm. I asked her if she was making it and she said no, she was buying it and I told her if she made it, it would become food and not medicine and she didn't understand what I was talking about. But that's what I'm <laughs> hearing you say.
8: Yeah, and to have our connection with nature be like food rather than medicine, right? Um, and something that nourishes all the, us all the time, but also that there's a reciprocity. Right? One of the things I noticed about the kind of adventure model of outdoor experience was we were using nature, again, as a resource for our own personal development, which is lovely, and, you know, fun and enjoyment, but where was the giving back, right? And I always found in my relationship with plants, there was such a giving back, whether, you know, through song or my breath, or just the gratitude, or wanting to be a caretaker of the earth. And so I started looking for, I I really it was just a sacred question. A lot of my life, I've just had some question that I've been holding in my heart that it, it guides me somewhere, like the one I had at 19, which is still my guiding question, is how do I empower women? And it led me to be an herbalist, it led me to be an outdoor educator, and then it led me into survival skills, which you know, which is how I ended up leaving you all in the woods in the dark, right? Um, I went and studied with <laughs> Tom Brown, Jr. Survival skills, <laughs> right. Right. You know, because what I found, I mean, that was kind of my personal interest of just like, well, what do I do if you are lost in the woods? Or what if this world as we know it doesn't keep going the way we know it? Um, what would you do then? And, and herbs kind of got me interested in that. But what that actually led me into is what's now called – the nature connection movement. And because so much of Tom Brown's experience, sure he learned all these great skills, but what it really evoked in him was this deep love of mother earth and the sacred, because he was taught by a native American grandfather, stocking wolf of Apache man who was raised in the traditional way. And of course, you know, as we know, many indigenous and native people, it's inherent in their cultures, that deep love of nature, and so it led me into the nature connection work and connecting children with nature through teaching them about plants and animal tracking and building natural shelters and playing in creeks and all of those kinds of things and doing blindfold walks listening to the sound of a drum rather than being dependent on our eyes to tell us where to go but to use our bodies and our intuition and so much of what i like about the nature connection work is it's bringing us into our senses into our five senses which brings us out of our mind, right? It brings us into our senses where we can really connect with the natural world. So that's a lot of my work now is kind of a weaving of all of that with an emphasis on bringing that to girls and women because the outdoor ed field, the survival skills field, like many of those outdoor fields, are very male-dominated. And lots of great men out there. But it ends up being really oriented to, like, what works for boys and men, which is a little more adventure, adrenaline, kind of testosterone-driven kind of experiences. And I find the girls want something a little different. And if we don't have programs that match their interests, then, then they're not outdoors. And there are already barriers for girls to go outside, right? Our culture says that's not feminine, and we might get dirty, and that really kicks in big time when they go through puberty, right? Then it's not okay to sweat and be dirty. You have to be girly and go to the mall, and, and so girls really start to miss out on those opportunities that connect us with who we are on a deep level, which is through our relationship with nature. So it's such, a lot of what it's I do such is vital try and bring work, that to girls.
4: work that you are doing to encourage this in girls, because I see exactly the same thing, too. Although less and less, unfortunately, the children, simply by the fact of being children, are encouraged to play outdoors. Yes. And to rough house, as it were, even. And... A, a, As they become more aware of themselves as girls they become more aware of the cultural uh, dimorphism and the idea that uh, they're supposed to be sugar and spice and everything nice i was able i was able to retain my connection to nature i sought it out i went to ucla and um, i lived in a party and between me and UCLA was the woods you weren't supposed to walk through because that's where the rapists lurked. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I went to school that way all the time. <laughs> because it was nature, and I wasn't afraid of nature. I wanted to be in nature. And then even though I moved to the city, to New York City, to Manhattan... And enjoyed it. Um, I was only there a couple of years before, boop, we found ourselves back out in the country. How did you? How did you maintain that link
8: with nature? Um, yeah. yeah, I think I just—I think I never lost it, you know, because I was always fortunate that where we live seemed to have some little wild something, even if it was just a field. It's one of the things that I—I I see that's lost now, right? I look at where I grew up and. Oh, that used to be a field and now it's a shopping center and that used to be a little field or a little patch of woods and it's condos and, you know, all of that kind of thing. So whether it was when we lived in Colorado or when we lived in Southern California, there was always some little bit of wildness. And that's what I love about the nature connection work is like right now I live along a bike path that's next to a creek. And there is, and then on the other side of that, there's a prairie dog field. And there is so much nature between my back door and the road that's probably a quarter mile away because of that little creek and that prairie dog field. And that's all, it's all open space, which means it's publicly owned, you know, so it's not going to get developed. But those little pockets of wildness that are right here in suburban and even urban corridors, like one of my favorite places in New York City is Central Park, right, because it has those little pockets of wildness in it. Right, and so I was always. And, that's what, to I, and that's what I did,
4: Laureen, When I lived in New York City, I spent all my time in the parks. I was at the Cloisters. Yep. I was in Central Park. I was in Thompson Square Park, which was two blocks away from me. Yeah. Yeah. And even yeah. you know, two years ago when I had to be back in the city for a while, I made sure that my apartment was within a block and a half of nature and a big bunch of nature. So I think one of the things that we can share with people is that you maintain that connection by choosing it.
8: Yes, absolutely. You know, because sometimes I've lived somewhere where it's like right now, right, outside my back door is this bike path with the creek next to it. But sometimes I've had to, I've had to walk. I've always for probably the last 30 years, I've had what's called a sit spot. And it's just the place in nature that I go and I sit regularly. That's why I call it a sit spot (laughs) because I sit there. And I listen and I watch. And, you know, sometimes it's two minutes from my door, but I used to live in uh, the north end of Boulder, and I had a little park across the street, but there wasn't hardly a tree in it because it was a new neighborhood. So I had to walk about three blocks to where there was a little seasonal stream that ran behind a trailer park with a few trees where me and the deer and the homeless people hung out because that was like the wildest thing I could find that was in walking distance to my house, you know. And then once a week or, or more, I would it's get my car and If good enough for the day day good enough for you. Yes, exactly. And, there, you know, the little blackbirds would come and bathe themselves in the creek, and so would the robin. And, and this, is, this is how I knew it was my spot, Susan, It was the first time I went there and I sat down in this spot and I looked at the creek and I was under a little elm tree. And then I looked to my left and there was a motherwort plant. And I thought, I'm home. The motherwort said, oh, you found me, I'm here. And I knew because one of my plant friends were there, it was my place. And so I often just look for something like that that tells me that's the place. Maybe it's an oak tree in a park because you have some special relationship with oak. Or maybe that oak tree just says to you, come sit by me. And so you do, and you listen to that. And so just like you said, it's by choice, but it's also by following our heart. And where does our heart want us to go? And our heart always wants us to go in nature. Our, Our minds with the fear can certainly interfere with that. But if we listen to our heart, our heart will guide us not only into nature, but to some place in nature that we have a special connection with, even if we don't know what it is yet, that's calling to us. It says, come sit by me, come be with me. And if we listen to that, we'll find it. And I tell you, magic always happens. I travel a lot, both leading wilderness programs and teaching and I always look for a sit spot, and there's always something magical. I just follow where my body wants to go, and I end up somewhere, and there's some self-heal or an aspen tree, which are special plants and trees to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm home. My friends are here. One of the I, have, I, love about um, I have
4: found myself saying in recent years that if you will give nature an hour, she will do her best to convince you that you are her favorite child.
8: Hmm. That is so true because she loves us, right? The earth loves us, the trees love us, the plants love us, and they want us to be in relationship with us. us. And that's what I want everyone to know, all the children, all the girls, all the women, all the men, all the people that are non-binary, right? I want us all to know that we have a home in nature. That's probably like one of the most important things because that's what the plants gave me when I was a kid. The plants in the little wild places, you know, the pumpkin field next to the shopping center. <laughs>
4: right. Nature doesn't use pronouns. Right. <laughs> so it's a short step from there to the Red Earth Gathering. Tell us what yep. the Red Earth Gathering is and how you got involved.
8: Um, so Red Earth Herbal Gathering, is a, it's the Mountain West Women's Herbal Gathering. And it's been going on for five years. And how I got involved is I came to teach at the Wise Woman Center, and there was this lovely woman named Astrid who was, uh, I guess, what was it? She was interning. She was living there with you, like, for a whole year and taking care of the goats. And so she was out there that night in the woods with us. (laughs) Well, thank you, because Michael And, and
4: I were trying to remember if you and Astrid actually apprenticed together.
8: We didn't apprentice together because I apprenticed. You didn't apprentice together, but
4: you were here together. Thank you for clarifying that. That
8: that was how, yeah, because I apprenticed like in 92, which tells you how long, (laughs) gives you a little idea how old I am. It was a long time ago. Uh, But yeah, we met then, and then we stayed in touch, and then Astrid moved here uh, to Colorado, gosh, I don't know, six, seven years ago it must have been. And then she was like, what? We don't have... A women's herbal gathering in the Mountain West, but there's women's herbal gatherings all over the country. So let's let's create one here. And we started with a one-day event, and then it grew to two days, and then I think now we're up to three. And of course, we didn't have one last year. Um, so this is this year coming up is our fifth year having one. And so, you know, certainly I got involved through meeting Astrid, but also because of my commitment to plants and empowering women and just my love of bringing all of those things together. And there's, there's a lot of unique things about red earth that I really love that I think grow out of Astrid and I's shared um, connection with the plants, but also our shared connection with, like, ritual and ceremony.
4: Tell us more about those unique aspects.
8: So one of the things, because a lot of a big emphasis of my work is on rites of passage, Um, and Astrid had been to the the Northern California Women's Herbal Gathering. And, you know, they've been going for so many years that they have this whole coming-of-age ceremony they do for girls every year. And we said, well, we we want to create that. And we realized the first year that we, one, we didn't have enough girls come, right, to even have a ceremony. But we thought, gosh, most of the women here haven't ever had a ceremony for coming into womanhood, right? A lot of us didn't get that growing up. And so – pretty much every year we've had a ceremony that that celebrates all of us women and people that are there in whatever stage of life we're in, whether you're, you know, beginning your journey into menstruating, you're long past menstruating, um, you don't menstruate at all, you know, whatever that is. So
4: let's be clear, women menstruate, not people.
8: Yes. Yes, women menstruate, not people, but there's, People that are female-identified that may come to the gathering that obviously don't menstruate but if they, they don't, don't menstruate. have a womb. They don't
4: menstruate right. and they're not actually women. They do not have XX in every cell. They may identify as that, just like someone might identify as being black or someone might identify as being aboriginal, even though they're not actually that. It's okay to identify.
8: Yeah. So, you know, even though we're a women's herbal gathering, we welcome... Trans women, non-binary women, you know, or non-binary people, I should say, um, you know, who may obviously, if they're non-binary, they're not identifying as male or female, you know. But anyone who has kind of a female-identified, uh, female identity, female-oriented exactly identity. That's what I'm anybody to say. who
4: decides they want to come, no matter what.
8: You know, I don't know what the line on that is, and I know there's a lot of politics around it, so I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. Because okay, I, let's
4: not get too far down that route, but I tell you, it's not healthy
8: at all. It's confusing, you know. It's like who's not confusing. Who's it's not healthy.
4: The, a woman dies a violent death every minute on this planet. You give me rights for women, and then I will give you rights for subgroups.
8: Yep, I think everybody needs to be protected. So,
4: yes, Women women first, not subgroups first, is what I'm saying. Women first. Let's protect women. Let's protect women. They constitute a lot of the population. We might hear about this bad thing or that bad thing that happens to a subgroup, but let me tell you, there are so much bad things happening to women that we never even hear about it because it's too much. And we need protection for all women, and we need it Now.
8: Yeah, I definitely agree no, that we need to I, I, women I'm, sorry.
4: I'm sorry that you think that that's one of the unique things about Red Earth's gathering, because to me it's certainly not unique. It's just going along with the, the party line that is, is destructive to women's rights.
8: Well, and I just want to emphasize that I don't... What, to me, what's really unique about Red Earth is the ceremony we weave into it, uh, the community we weave into it. It's not about who's there and who's not and who we're including and who we're not. Um, really what's unique is that we bring together a lot of different emphasis. You know, certainly the focus is herbs. Certainly the focus is women gathering around herbs. But we bring in ceremony. You know, we have a, we have a girls' village. We have a children's village. We have crone circles. We have red tents. We have money steams, right? We have, you know, it's really an all-encompassing women's sacred space. And that's what's really unique about Red Earth.
4: The Red Tent so to, is for really really women of that. all ages, for girls, for women, and for crones. It's yes. not like the children sing in a Red Tent in a crone circle. That makes it sound like the Red Tent isn't a place for young women and for old women, but it is.
8: It is. I mean, actually, our Red it, Tent is, red is welcoming it.
4: Red is the place for Every person who has a double X in every cell, it should be the safe space for women and only women and nobody who identifies, but people who are actually women. Now, this year, it's going to be virtual, so there's not going to be a real red tent, and there's not going to be a real children's village. How is that going to work out?
8: So what we're doing is we're, we're bringing as many aspects of the in-person gathering onto the virtual gathering, right? So we're having, I mean, we have a red tent space that's always available for women and girls to go into and crones and, you know, of all different ages. Um, so, and then we usually have a red tent ceremony somewhere in there where there'll be times when there'll be actually a facilitated experience in the Red Tent, right? So we'll have that as part of the virtual gathering. Um, we'll have a crone circle as part of the virtual gathering. I'm hosting – so my focus being on the girls is, you know, we have a girls area that's like for teen – tween and teen girls, excuse me, because the children's area is for, you know, children up to like seven, eight, nine. but by the time girls get to be 9 or 10, they want kind of a different experience, um, so we'll have a girls' circle, and that one actually is—it's talking about celebrating our moon time. And that's actually—it's four girls, but any women who want to come and be a part of that conversation—mothers, aunties, grandmothers—you uh, know—are welcome to be part of that. So we'll have some children's classes, we'll have some girls' classes, we'll have a virtual yoni steam, which I'm really looking forward to. That'll be awesome. You know, everybody will bring all their supplies in their own house and everybody will be in their house, but we'll all be on the video together in our scene, just like we would be if we were in the, in the womb room. So a lot of, those are a lot of the kinds of things we're trying to do to make the virtual gathering as close as possible to the in-person experience so that we can still be together. We can still have all those rich experiences and, you know, we can navigate this interesting time we're in with this transition, I don't know. Out of this pandemic, it's a little. You know, that's why I hope I I'm not I went out to eat the night
4: before last without a mask. Woohoo!
8: Woohoo! Ready for living
4: in New York, where people are sane. I bet <laughs> at least one, if not many more, women who have been listening to this want to know how they can come to the Red Earth Herbal Gathering.
8: Um, so. Basically, you can go to RedEarthHerbalGathering.com, that's the website, and tickets are on sale. They went on, we put tickets on sale starting um, on, I was going to say winter solstice, but summer. Let me get into the right season here, summer solstice, and from now and through August 1st, it's uh, pay what you can, right? So it's basically donation-based, and then starting on August 2nd, it'll be $99, and it's September Oh, gosh, let me get the dates right because I don't want to mess those up because somebody's going to write them down on their calendar, and I'll have them wrong. September 10th through the 12th, so it's the weekend after Labor Day weekend, so it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and everything will be recorded. All the videos will be recorded, so anyone who uh, is a ticket holder will have access to the videos for one month after the event. So if you can't come for the whole weekend because you've got other things going on and you don't want to spend a whole weekend on your computer, that's fine. You can listen to them all over the next month, which is great because we have over 20 teachers who are all doing about two workshops each. That's close to 40 workshops. So, you know, one of the things that's hard about going to an in-person gathering is there's always like three workshops I want to go to at the same time. Now with this, I can listen to one in-person and be there live, but then over the next month, I can listen to the other two that I wanted to go to that were, of course, at the same time, which is what always happens to me. Do you have that experience?
4: Without having to buy the recordings, I'm going to say. You know, those recordings can be pretty expensive, and so you get all 40 workshops plus the rituals right now Mm -hmm. for donation, and as of the beginning of August for $99. Whichever way you do it, it's a great deal. And remember that donation... Can pay more than
8: ninety nine too. Absolutely, yeah. Because we want to make it accessible to people, but this is really our way of keeping the energy of Red Earth going and keeping this gathering sustainable through this changing time, right? Because we just we had to make a decision back in March: are we going virtual or are we going in person? And there wasn't enough information to know whether we could safely gather people together in person, so we chose to go virtual, and so we could be together as a community and have this experience again. And keep the momentum and going because we're a young gathering, and, I think it's, and we need to.
4: I think it's very exciting for women who are homebound for whatever reason, because of um, physical constraints, because of uh, caretaking restraints of those younger or mm-hmm. older than them, because of financial constraints, um, whatever. This really uh, spreads your web wider and allows so many more women to participate
8: yes and we're excited about that we're excited about that because like you said there's women who can't always travel to come to a gathering like this and so now they can be part of it and that'll that'll bring the experience of red earth and, and the goodness that's being created and put out into the world to a much broader place which is what we want the more women we can get connected to the plants and the earth and themselves the better
4: and that's RedEarthHerbalGathering.com. Yes. And Laureen, if she says, "Hey, hey, that that uh, I'm I'm a mom, I'm a grandma. Was that the coming of age ritual? Can I get in touch with Loreen, What's the best way to get in touch with you?"
8: Sure. Um, you can go to Celebrating Her right which is R-I-T-E, as in ritesofpassage.com, and that's my website. So that's a way you can track me down. Um, I also have a a group for mothers who are currently parenting teen and preteen daughters, and that's called growstrongertogether.com. And that's where we come together as moms. I actually started it during COVID because I was like, okay, not only is it hard to parent a teenage daughter, but try doing it while you're working at home. She's doing school at home online. And we're all cooped up together, and we need to get together and support each other. So that's why I started Grow Stronger Together, um, just as another way of supporting moms with teen girls. In addition to what I do that's focused on, you know, because the Celebrating Her Rights really focused on the rites of passage part, but I just wanted to be like, we need to help each other here. So you can find me either of those places.
4: Thank you. And I want to remind people, I will be at Red Earth Gathering the weekend after. Labor Day Weekend And I Sure hope To see you There Lorraine It has been Wonderful To just get Even hear The sound Of your voice I cherish All the times That we have Spent together You are A remarkable Woman Thank you So much For all That you're Doing In helping To restore Herbal medicine To its rightful Places Herbal medicine And to Reweave a Healing cloak Of the Ancients What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody listening to you?
8: Oh, gosh, I just want to say how grateful I am to all the wise women who have gone before like you. You are, you are one of my beloved teachers who's given me so much. I remember how much healing I got when I came and apprenticed at the Wise Women Center. And just to honor all of our women ancestors who often at great risk to their life. Um, preserved these ancient ways so that we could have them today and just great gratitude for this beautiful planet we live on and all the people that caretake it so they can be here for the future generations i just feel so much gratitude for living in such a beautiful place and that other people care about it and want to pass it on in a good way to all of those coming behind us the children of the humans and the plants and the trees and the animals who also have their babies that are growing up in this world too So thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure.
4: And thank you to be continued, Lorraine, to be continued. Yes. Lots of love. Green blessings, everybody. Good night.
9: Good night.